which is 1 Peter 2, verses 4 to 10. <clears throat> the living stone and a chosen people. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into the spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble and fall, that makes them fall, a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into the world of light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of the Lord. Well, if the children would like to come to the front, so let's have the children up the front. You can come and sit on the carpet. So uh, it's all age service. And uh, a reminder that all age uh, sermon is not just for the children, it's for everyone. So some things may uh, go over their heads, but hopefully be uh, engaging for them as well. So if you move around to the sides, you've got plenty of space at the sides as well. So we've got everyone. So in the Bible, we find two letters written by Peter. Uh, Our reading today is taken from the first of those letters, but who was Peter? Can anyone tell me who Peter was? Who's Peter in the Bible? Any ideas? Who was Peter? You have to help them out. Someone shout it out. Disciple? Anything else? Probably Jesus' closest friend, the the closest disciple to Jesus. And uh, Peter was uh, was Jewish, and he was writing mainly to people who weren't Jewish, uh, what we uh, would would know as uh, Gentiles. And to understand why Peter was writing to Gentiles, I'm going to ask you guys a question. Have you ever felt left out? Put your hand up. Have you ever, at any point, felt a bit left out? Some of us have. I think probably most of us have. You know, it could be that you had a, a group of friends uh, and they were, they, were, they were doing something you wanted to join in, but they wouldn't let you join in. I think most of us have experienced something like that at some point in our lives, and it's not very nice. Well, in the olden days, before Jesus, there was a special group of people, God's people, and you might hear them uh, called the Israelites. You might hear them called the Hebrews. You might hear them called the Jews. All those words mean the same thing. And Jews didn't have anything to do with people who weren't Jewish. So you could only belong to God's family if you were Jewish. Now, the Jews were a relatively small group of people. Uh, They made up about 3% of the global population in the first century. 
And although, although they were scattered all over the Roman world, they lived in lots of different places, their homeland, the country that is now Israel, was and is quite small. Now, I want you guys to guess. Who can have a guess? How many times do you think Israel would fit into Australia? Have a guess. Who can guess a number? How many times would Israel fit? In? Oh, we're not supposed to have the slide yet. <laughs> well, that's not to that, No, go back. It's all right. Go back. That, that's, uh, that's not to scale. But how many times do you think? What do you reckon, David? You think two? A lot more than two. God, Cassie? A hundred, Kayla? A hundred and ten? A hundred and twenty? Nowhere near. It would fit. Go on, your last one, Anna? Two thousand. Two thousand? Okay. Well, it's somewhere in the middle of all those guests. Yeah. When you actually see it. Anna, you're absolutely right. When you see it to scale, it is even bigger because it would be 350 times Israel would fit into Australia. So the Jews, so, um, so we've got a small country and a relatively small group of people who seem to be the only ones who could have some kind of friendship with God. So where did that leave everyone else? Where did that leave the non-Jews, the Gentiles? I mean, it doesn't seem fair, does it? That only this one small group of people in this one small part of the world can have this special relationship with God. Well, Jesus came to change all of that. He came to give everyone the chance of being friends with God. He came to make God's kingdom available to everyone. And Peter wrote to some uh, of these Gentile, these non-Jewish Christians. And he said, hey, you've been welcomed into God's family. You're just as much a part of God's family as us Jewish Christians are. Our God is your God, and our history is your history, and our hope is your hope. Galatians 3.28 says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female. For we are all one in Christ Jesus. And that's what Peter was saying. We are all one in Christ Jesus. Everybody who knows and loves Jesus is part of the same family. Now, in the Old Testament, before Jesus, God's people had a special place where they met with God. What was that special place called? Where did God's people meet with with God in the Old Testament? Can anyone tell me? The temple. The temple. They met in the temple. And Peter says to them, well, Christians, we don't need a temple to meet with God because we are the temple. He says, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. Now, a living stone, that's a strange idea, isn't it? Is there anything alive about that stone? What do you think? You can say yes or no. Anything alive about that stone? Better? No? Anything alive about it? Hello? Is this stone alive? (laughs) Okay. Would someone like to come and draw a face on this stone? 
He's like, David, your hand went straight up. Come and draw a face on this stone. <laughs> any side you like, any face. It doesn't have to be a work of art. Just a five-second face, okay? Make, no, make it nice and big so we can all see it. That's it, that's it, good. A couple of eyes, good. What kind of mood is this stone in? It's a happy-looking happy stone. Good. You're going to call him Rocky. That's good. <laughs> nice one, David. Thank you. So now we've got this stone, got a little bit of a, a personality about him, but is, there, is this stone any more alive than it was a minute ago? No. I mean, we usually use stones as a way of saying how dead something is, don't we? You know, you might say it's as dead as a stone. But Peter talks about a living stone that's been rejected by humans. Who do you think he might be talking about? Who said that? A child with a very deep voice. Yeah, so Jesus, he's talking about Jesus. Now, the Jewish religious leaders, they hated Jesus. They rejected him. They handed him over to be crucified, and he was killed. But what happened after three days? He rose again. He rose again, absolutely right. Jesus is a living stone, and he's the most important stone in the whole building. Uh, Peter says that he is the cornerstone. So how important is a cornerstone. Well, to demonstrate this, I need someone to come and play a very quick game of Jenga with me. Who's going to play a very quick... Caleb, you look very keen to come and do it. I'm going to let you come and do it. Come on. Right, so you go first. You, you take one off first. Okay, this has the potential to go wrong as a demonstration, as you can imagine. We're going to hope not. Okay. You take another one out. Okay, now then. So before you have another go, looking at this, which is the most important block on this pile? Hang on, don't touch it yet. Which is the most important block? What, what one do you reckon? The one? The one in the middle at the bottom? That's the most important one, isn't it? Because it's holding up all the others. What's going to happen if we pull that one out? <laughs> we'll pull it out, Caleb. Take that as your next go. Okay. They all fall down. We, I had that slide made up because I realised that had the potential to go wrong, so I thought at least we'd have a, an image of it if, it if it didn't work. So, yeah. So, Jesus is like that bottom block. He's, he's the one that supports and holds up all the others. Now, let me tell you something about the cornerstone of an ancient building. It was always the first stone to be laid, and all the other stones were positioned in relation to it. The whole building relied on the cornerstone, and it was massive. Do you know that the biggest stone in the Jerusalem temple, and you can still see it today, uh, let's just... Uh, Caleb? I think we're going to leave that one. Okay. So the biggest stone in the Jerusalem temple, it can still be seen today. And it's longer than a bus. And it weighs 300 tons, or around about 300 tons. 
That is the same as one and a half jumbo jets, one stone. It's the same as 50 male African elephants. And get this, this stone weighs the same as 200 of my car. Imagine 200 of my car squeezed into one massive stone. No one knows how they moved it. It's one of the biggest building blocks in the whole world. It's even bigger than the stones that were used to make the great pyramids of of Egypt. So when Peter talks about a cornerstone, he's not talking about something like this. He's talking about something that is solid, immovable, and secure. So when we come to Jesus, we build our lives on something that is solid, immovable, and secure. Now, not only that, but when we come to Jesus, we become living stones. When we come to Jesus, we become like Jesus. And God's Spirit lives within this temple made of living stones. In other words, God's Holy Spirit lives within you and within me and within everyone who has ever come to Jesus, everyone who ever put their faith in Jesus. Now, in the old temple, the, the physical building, uh, they, the, the Jews used to make uh, physical sacrifices of incense and animals. But in this new uh, um, temple made of living stones, we're to make spiritual sacrifices. So what, what does Peter mean when he talks about spiritual sacrifices? Well, actually, we see a lot of sacrifices mentioned in the New Testament. So Romans 12.1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So actually, every week we talk about our bodies being a living sacrifice. And later on in the service, maybe you can listen out to see what part of the service we say that in. You'll hear it later on. We say it every week. To give our bodies a living sacrifice means we give our whole selves to God. It's like we say, I belong to you, Lord. Everything I have is yours. And then in Hebrews 13, we're told that our praise our worship, our good deeds, our sharing with others, our spiritual sacrifices. In Philippians 4.18, it says that our financial giving is, and it says, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. So these verses and others help us to understand what is meant by spiritual sacrifices. Uh, Next, Peter says that Christians are a royal priesthood. You know, unlike a building which just sits there, priests do something. And we, the church, God's people, are meant to make God known to all the peoples of the earth. We're meant to tell the story of God's love. When we meet people, they should see something of Jesus in us. They should see something appealing, something that is good and wholesome in us. We represent God to the world. And finally, and I think on International Sunday, this is the most important one. We, that's all the Christians who have ever lived, is Peter says we are a holy nation. 
In this church, we come from lots of different nations and countries, don't we? We come from uh, Australia and Burma, which is now Myanmar, and Colombia, and Jamaica, and New Zealand, and uh, Nigeria, Rwanda, South Africa, South Sudan, Zimbabwe, India, lots of places, lots of places all over the world. And it's, it's uh, wonderful. We're celebrating that today. It's wonderful that God has brought us from all over the world into this little church. But more important than where we're from is the fact that we belong to God's family, a family that's big enough to be a huge nation. Now, most of you guys, you know a little bit about me. You know a bit about my past. You know a bit about the kind of things I like to do. I'm sure over the time you, you picked up on some things. You, you, know, you know me. And I'm going to show you some pictures on the screen. And I want you to tell me who you think I've got most in common with and why. So who, out of them, knowing what you know about my past, about some of the things I like doing, who of them do you think I've got most in common with? What do you reckon, David? Which one? What number? D? Why D? Because I remember at this, um, this, you, I don't remember what it's called. But you remember seeing him. Okay, you remember seeing him here. So, okay, that's a good answer. What do you reckon, Jenny? Which one? B. B? Why, why B? Because Isabel told me it's your brother. Isabel told you that's my brother. <laughs> do, do you think she's telling the truth? Does he look like he could be my brother? Yes. Yes, okay, yep. She's right. She's right. That's Uncle Rob. <laughs> Who else? Anyone got another suggestion? I think you're most like D. Like D. Okay, we'll come back to that. Any other, any other children got any ideas who I might be most like? Who I've got most in common with, I should say. Kayla, what do you think? A. A, why A? Pardon? Because that's a, a Royal Marine. I used to be in the Royal Marines. Yeah, okay. So it could have a lot of, in common with that person. Okay, well, I can tell you that there's some good answers there. And I can tell you that the answer is D. And the reason it, this is, that's Daniel Abbott. And well remembered, David. He has been to this church. He's a bishop. We don't have that in common. Uh, but I've got more in common with him because as far as I know, he's the only person on the screen who is a Christian. Uh, now we come from different countries. Daniel comes from South Sudan. I come from England. We've had very different life experiences with very different people. But we belong to the same eternal family, to God's family. This temple made of living stones, which is the church of Christ. We are all brothers and sisters in Christ. And not just for this life, but also for the life to come. So actually, we have more in common with each other than we have with anyone else. And today, we celebrate this wonderful diversity not just of this church, but of the worldwide church. This, uh, uh, um, we remember 
we remember that we are all one in Christ Jesus, a temple made of living stones, a royal priesthood, a holy nation that will be with Jesus forever. And what's really exciting about this is that anyone who comes to Jesus, anyone who puts their faith and trust in Jesus can be added on because God's great building project is still underway. And we are called to be part of that and to build this temple with God. Let's pray. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we, we uh, recognize that um, this idea of living stones is, a, is an unusual analogy, but it's a beautiful one, uh, that we all belong to the same building, the holy temple, which is the dwelling place of your spirit, living within each and every one of us and within us as a whole, that we might tell the story of your love, that we might show the world what it means to be in relationship with you, that we might announce the good, good news to all nations. And we thank you uh, that uh, this church is so diverse, not just this church, but the worldwide church. And we thank you that even though we can come from all kinds of different backgrounds, we've got so much in common. And we pray that the one thing uh, that will be common to all of us is that we love one another, we love... Um, Jesus, we love the church, we love the world. That's our, that's our mission. We pray that you help us to fulfill it. In Jesus' name, amen.